it's, it's really an honor. It's an honor to be here. Um, I had my message all down, then I was driving over here with Shane, and he kind of messed that all up for me. <laughs> but I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I, I've got uh, just a word for you. And then the, the theme, God of hope, has just been, since, since we got in the car and since we were chatting, since I was sitting here and you guys were leading worship, God of hope. God of hope. There's no hope without God. So he's the God of hope. I mean, you might have hope that the Orlando Magic win. That's not hope. That's not hope. It's not even realistic. <laughs> hope, hope has always been, hope has always been a word that's been very slippery for me. Like if somebody told me, Scott, I want you to, I want you to preach on faith. That's a little bit more concrete. But I've never had a definition of hope that like solidified something inside of me. And I feel like God wants to impart hope into Father's house and everybody here. This is the sixth anniversary. You're entering into your seventh year. Hope. So I was sitting in my, <laughs> I was going to say sitting in my bathroom. I was sitting on the floor in my bathroom at home. It was early one morning, and the reason I was in there is because Beth was sleeping. I didn't want to turn the lights on in the room. <clears throat> I had my Bible on the ground, and I said, Lord, I need a definition of hope. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like theological. I'm, 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 not, I'm actually not even that smart. I'm just kind of like a normal Dude, you had Gladstone here. He's way smarter than I am. Way smarter. But sometimes you feel like God like gives you this revelation. And I felt like he gave me a revelation of hope. And I want to give it to you. Through a definition, and it's interesting because... <clears throat> We were together last night with some of the folks, and I actually gave this definition last night to somebody I prayed over. Jessica, right? Where's Jessica? Is she here today? The other Jessica. Which Jessica? You're Jessica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I want to give you the definition that I got on my bathroom floor for hope. Then, then I want to just kind of unpack the definition and then pray hope over you. I was just sitting there jotting some notes on my phone. <coughs> and um, I believe the Lord's gonna, Lord's gonna speak. So Father, in, in Jesus' name, from the outset today, I just ask you, Lord, to supplement human words with your Holy Spirit 
Lord, the imperfect way that we communicate, I pray that you would transform that from my mouth to the hearts of all who are listening, whether right now or if this is being recorded for some future time. Lord, I pray for hope. That's who you are. You're the God of hope. You have hope stored up for those who would put their trust in you. God of hope, fill us with your hope. Be glorified. Jesus' name. I'm going to give you the definition. And then I'm going to open the scripture. Hope is being, why don't you just repeat it after me? Hope is being fully assured that God always has an answer. Well, hold on once. I'm just going to read it to you. (laughs) No, you're going to repeat after me, but I'm going to read it so I don't get it wrong. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for my situation and he will show up at the perfect time to transform my impossibilities into a testimony of his salvation. I'll read it to you. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for your impossible situation. And he will show up at the perfect time to transform your impossibilities into a testimony of his salvation. The enemy is the hope robber. If you're without hope, if you're feeling hopeless, it's the enemy who is pulling it out. You know, the the Lord says, encourage one another daily. Through one another, we're called to put courage on people. That's what we're called to do. Encourage, put courage on people. Unfortunately, many of us discourage one another daily. We pull courage out. If I'm going to disarm you and you're loaded with, with, uh, with, with firearms and I disarm you, you're left with nothing. If I arm you, you've got it. If I disarm you, you're without it. If I discourage, we're pulling courage out of each other. God doesn't want us discouraging one another. He wants us encouraging, throwing courage on one another. Where hope is concerned... The Bible doesn't say, and hope one another. (laughs) But I feel like as a result of discouragement, as a result of situations not going the way that we thought they were going to go, hope has been robbed from us. So there's just a few things I want to talk about, and it's the definition. I want to talk about the fact that God always has a solution. Always. Always for your impossible situation. I want to talk about his perfect time. God has a solution for your impossible situation, and he'll show up at the perfect time. I want to talk about his transformative power to transform your impossibilities 
into a testimony of his salvation. And I want to talk about being fully assured. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for your situation. The Lord created the heavens and the earth. Everything was good. He's the God of life. He puts Adam and Eve in the garden. And he looks at them and he says, listen, of any tree you can eat. But if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the day you eat of it, you surely will die. Not only is God the God of hope, he's the God of life. He is life. There's no death in God. He's the God who gives life to the dead. (laughs) But he never intended death. He intended life. True life after you take your last breath here, actually begins. (laughs) Eternal, which is what we're in right now. But our earthly lives have this limitation on it. Imagine what God must have felt when in the midst of the perfect situation, Eden was beautiful, it was perfect, Adam was perfect. Eve was perfect. How do I know that? God created them. They partake of the tree. And now death is introduced. Death. You know, the the Bible says the Lord's in the midst of restoring all things. The the world started in a garden. You look at the end of Revelations, it's, it's a garden with a tree of life. Death, impossible. Everything's ruined. Everything. If you're not God, talk about hopeless. Everything that God created, and now man messes things up. Check this scripture out. Genesis chapter 3. Immediately. God goes into action for the impossible solution. You know, you may think because of a decision you've made or your your situation is beyond God moving. Friends, if your situation is beyond this one, I want to hear about it. I don't think so. Like, th- like this is the ultimate impossible situation. How do we overcome death? Because that's the way the world is heading. The God of life puts something into action to see this whole thing turned around. Because he always has a solution. He's got a solution for you. Genesis 3.14. I love this. The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than, any, more than all cattle, 
more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And Genesis 3.15 is the first messianic prophecy in the Bible. Because this is the antithesis. This is the solution. This is the solution to the impossible situation. The devil thought he might have won because now everything is laden with death. But look what God says. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He's talking about someone who's going to come through woman. Check this out. He will crush your head. Some versions say he will bruise your head. The Lord is prophesying of one coming that's going to reverse sin and death. And that one is going to crush the head of the enemy. Now, obviously speaking of Jesus, right? It's interesting. If you want to get my take on the roots of anti-Semitism in the world, Jew hatred, throughout Scripture, ever since God chose Abraham, by the way, he chose Abraham in Genesis 12. He said, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That God found the people through whom that messianic line would come. He needed a people that would, that would house the Messiah. He chose Abraham. He prophesied, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Salvation's coming. No wonder there's been a crosshair over the, over the Jewish people throughout history because Satan knows that it's through them that this Messiah is coming. No wonder Pharaoh tried to kill him and destroy him. If the midwives, if you, if you see a, a boy coming out of there, drown him. Pharaoh, Haman, I want all the Jews wiped out. Herod, everybody under two, kill them. Hitler, throughout history, anti-Semitism's on the rise more now than, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about that, but I'm just I'm wondering if, if, if there's a target on you, there's a destiny on you. Those things that you might be going through and you might feel like, okay, I've had enough. Maybe you're going through it because there's a destiny on you and the God of hope wants to breathe hope into you. One's coming that's going to crush your head. Now, look at the length to which the Lord went. Look at his solution. My solution is... God speaking, is I'm sending my son. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have life everlasting. 
That's the solution. Whoa. That's the solution. That's the solution to this impossible situation. But look at the lengths that God went because he always has a solution. You're heading for death. I'm giving you my best. I'm giving you my son. And he's going to conquer sin and death. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for your impossible situation. Scott, you have no idea what I'm going through. I don't. But God has a solution because he's the God of hope. You might not be able to articulate it. I might not be able to articulate it, but biblically I can prove it. Because there's no situation more beyond hope than this one in Genesis chapter 2. And God shows up in Genesis chapter 3 and looks at the one who beguiled Adam and beguiled Eve. And he says, your days are numbered. And I'm sending one that's going to crush your head. That's good news. God always, faith, uh, hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for your impossible situation. And he will show up at the perfect time. Everybody say perfect time. Uh, Galatians 4. Listen to this. I jotted this down. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive full rights as sons. This is kind of crazy if you think about it. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution. He'll show up at the perfect time. If I were God, can I tell you what the perfect time would have been to show up? It wouldn't have been 1,500 years after this happened or however many years after this happened. I don't know how many years after this, it was more than 1,500 that God shows, that Jesus shows up. What? I'm, I would have thought, okay, Adam and Eve is going to have, they're going to have a, a son. Maybe that would be the one that crushes the servant's head, the serpent's head. No, it wasn't Cain, wasn't Abel, wasn't Noah, chose Abraham. Wasn't Moses. Wasn't David? I mean, all of these like messianic could have beens. It wasn't God's perfect time. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for your impossible situation. And he will show up at the perfect time. God's timing is not ours. I'm reminded of the story of Abraham. Abraham had a promise at 75. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 12. He was 75 years old. God says when he goes out, through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham's now 99 years old. Imagine this, 99, still without a son. Like, God, you gave me this promise. You're, you're going you're gonna to bless? You're going to bless the earth through my seed? And I've got no seed. <laughs> I mean, Romans 4 said his body was as good as dead. There was very little left inside of him. 
Sarah, by the way, according to Romans 4, her body was dead, her, her womb. She was beyond the age of bearing children. Abraham marries Sarah, and Sarah is barren. You think God's up in heaven going to Abraham, whose name was Abram back then? No, don't marry her. <laughs> She's barren. That'll mess up my entire situation. I don't know what I'm going to do. No. He was actually setting the whole thing up because he's the God who gives life to the dead. Abram's name means exalted father, and he had no children. God changed his name, his name to Abraham, which means father of multitude, and he still had no children. That's kind of crazy. His name defied his reality, and God gave him the name. It's like, God, don't be naming me that. It's like, what do you do when you have a name? What if, what if our parents named us Harry? <laughs> yeah, people would laugh at us. Dude, you got the wrong name. Your name shouldn't be Harry. Harry won. I, I, remember, I remember going up to this guy at a meeting. He was, he was monstrous. Looked like he could have been a linebacker in the NFL or a lineman. I said, hey, my name is Scott. He towered over me, probably 6'4", maybe 300 pounds of just solid. He goes, hi, my name is Tiny. I'm like, dude, wrong name. Tiny? Obviously, it was a, it was a nickname that made people laugh. Imagine knocking on Abraham's door. Hey, exalted father, where's your kids? It wasn't, Abraham wasn't misnamed by God. God had him living in the, in the tension of, of being a promise carrier without the fulfillment yet to come to pass. But in Genesis, when, 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 um, when Isaac was born, you know when it said he was born? At the appointed time. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for your impossible situation. And he'll show up at the perfect time. Listen, our timetable and God's timetable are not the same. We're waiting for him. Oh, Lord, you gave me that promise five minutes ago. I'm waiting. Abraham was 99. Romans 4 says his body was as good as dead. It says that Sarah was beyond the age of bearing children, which means this. Not only was she barren, but she was barren and had no, uh, no eggs left in her womb. She had, she had gone through that womanly cycle. You're all, all women are born with a certain amount of, I said I wasn't smart and I'm express, I'm, I'm showing you how not smart I am. But each woman's born with a certain amount of eggs. <laughs> once those are gone, once those are gone, ladies, I don't know if anybody's old enough to have experienced that yet, but once, it's, once they're gone, they're gone. You're done. And that's when God decides to show up. 
You have Mr. Dead here. <laughs> you have Mrs. Dead here, and God shows up at their tent and says, hey, this time next year, you're going to have a son. No wonder they laughed. That's what they did. They laughed, right? And they actually named their son Laughter. Isaac, Laughter. Is, you think God's going to show up? You think I'm going to really have a baby? I think we need more laughter. We need more Isaacs. We need God to start doing impossible things so that he can be glorified. And it's his time. If I was God, you know, I'm, I am, I love giving gifts. <laughs> but if I got my wife a birthday, my wife's birthday's in March. If I got my wife's birthday gift in January, you know what I'm going to be doing? Honey, would you open it? I am not open. She will not do it. She, she won't do it. Me, I'm like, no, I, 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 I just want to, I'm not good with time stuff. I'm impatient. I want, I want to give people their joy now. And she's like, nope, it's not my birthday. I'm, I'm. But you know what's torturous to me when she gets me my gift? And it's a month before my birthday. I'm like, honey, come on. <laughs> nope. I ain't doing it. God has a perfect time. And it's typically when only he can get glory from it. If God, if God would have allowed Abraham and Sarah to have had a son, it would have been a little bit of a miracle because Sarah was barren. But we, there's, there's wombs that have been opened, barren wombs that have been opened in Scripture. But I don't know of any situation like this one where not only was she barren, but now she had a dead womb. No, no possibility of life whatsoever. And that's the lineage through which Jesus comes. That's pretty crazy. Look, think about this. God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We'll look at the genealogy in a minute of Jesus. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all had wives who could bear no children. <laughs> The, the God who promised one was coming to crush your head ordained all these super impossible situations through which Jesus shows up. Abraham, the father of our faith. Crazy. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for your impossible situation. And he will show up at the perfect time. The perfect time. In the fullness of time, Galatians says, God sent his son. It wasn't the next generation. It might have been 20 generations or 50 generations later. But it was the perfect time. He will show up at the perfect time to transform your impossibilities. <clears throat> into a testimony of his salvation. The last time I was here, we were sitting in the Dow's living room. We we're talking about Exodus chapter 14. Impossible situation. The children of Israel had the greatest army on earth chasing them. And God positioned them at the, at the, at the shore of the Red Sea with nowhere to go. And if Pharaoh changed his mind 
his children who were there because he put them there were dead ducks. You got the greatest army in the world and you've got no army at all. You've got chariots and horsemen and you've got slaves for the last 435 years. No chance on earth these guys are going to win. Exodus 14, read the story. Or what's Prince, Prince of Egypt? <laughs> God parts the sea. The children of Israel go through on dry land. And then the sea collapses over the Egyptians. Talk about transforming impossibilities. This, this <coughs> excuse me, weak army of people, I, would, I wouldn't even call them this weak band of former slaves who God supernaturally redeemed are now victorious over the greatest army on earth because of God's mighty right hand. He will transform your impossibilities. Let's, I, I don't do this often. I think maybe one time talked about this, but check out Matthew chapter one. <laughs> I don't know about you, when I, when I do my like Bible reading and I get to Matthew one, I just start with verse like 18. Because <laughs> that's where it gets interesting. <laughs> it's like, I don't care about all these names. So-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so. I don't know if I'm the only one in this room that does that. I doubt I am. I mean, of course, Michael doesn't do that. I do that. Let's check this out. Transforming impossibilities. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Interesting. Jesus, son of David, son of Abraham. Remember, Abraham, the guy who lived with a name that defied his situation. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. By the way, just right there, we could talk for weeks. All these guys had wives who could bear no children. Dead wombs, barren. God's the God who gives life to the dead. God's the God who transforms your impossibilities into a testimony of his salvation. By the way, Jesus in Hebrew his name is Yeshua. That means salvation. <laughs> that he, he lives up to his name. He was born salvation. He died salvation. He rose salvation. He is salvation. God has become my salvation. Okay, check this out. Verse 3. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, by Tamar. Stop right there. I want to encourage you women in this room. Tamar. Look, when, I do, when you have your family over for like a Thanksgiving meal or something, you want to invite like the impressive folks. You want, I can't believe who Jesus let in his genealogy. Tamar dressed as a prostitute to sleep with her father-in-law. 
let's, let's shoot. No, she's not coming to dinner. <laughs> not only is she not coming to dinner, we're just, we're not going to even talk about her. Tamar. Perez was the father. Of, and, and by the way, there's a lot to be said about what Tamar did. We're not going to talk about it right now. But it's remarkable. She's in the genealogy. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Let's skip to verse 5. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Uh, excuse me. Since we're talking about prostitutes, let's add another one in. Rahab, the grandmother or great-grandmother of King David? Imagine living your life thinking it's going nowhere, making your money by prostituting yourself, and two guys show up, and you decide you're going to house them. And forever through the annals of biblical, the word... Rahab shows up in the New Testament. She shows up in Hebrews 11 along with Moses and Abraham. By faith, Rahab the harlot, harlot. Father of Rahab, I'm sorry, Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Oved by Ruth. What, what people did Ruth come from? Remember what Ruth was as far as the people group? She was a Moabite. Listen, listen to this scripture. I wrote it here somewhere. Hold on. Ah. Deuteronomy 23, verse 2. No one of illegitimate birth shall ever enter the assembly of the Lord. None of the descendant, none of his descendants, even to the 10th generation, shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Listen, no Ammonite or Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Moabite. None of their descendants, even to the 10th generation, shall ever enter the assembly of the Lord. <laughs> Impossible. And you end up as the great-grandmother of King David as a Moabite? Don't tell me your situation is beyond repair. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for your impossible situation. And he'll show up at the perfect time to transform your impossibilities. And when I say transform, transform doesn't just mean he's going to put a Band-Aid on it so nobody notices what you're going through. No, what he's going to do is he's going to take you from a pit and put you in a palace. He's going to take you from the shores of death and put you in the promised land, showing even your enemies his power and his authority. That's who God is. He's the God of hope. Hope is being fully assured that God always has a solution for your impossible situation. And he'll show up at the perfect time to transform your impossibilities into a testimony of his salvation. Lastly, I just wanted to talk about fully assured for one minute. <clears throat> and I want you to open up to Romans chapter 4. You guys okay? I don't even, I can't, the clock has a, 
What time is it? Five to five. Three thirty. Is that what you said? Dude, please don't say that because that would really bum me out. Because <laughs> it feels like I've been up here a long time. <laughs> Three thirty. Uh, Romans four. <clears throat> Hope is being fully assured. Fully assured. Check out Romans 4, verse 16. And reading on. Well, actually, start with 17, speaking of Abraham. As it is written. (coughs) As it is written, a father of many nations, I've made you. In the presence of him whom he believed, here we go, even God who gives life to the dead. God will not put up with death. Even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Check out Abraham. This is speaking of Abraham. In hope against hope he believed. Don't ask me to explain that. In hope, against hope, he believed. So that he might become the father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And this is for you, father's house and father's house friends. (laughs) Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. By the way, you want to know how you can glorify God? Don't become weak, but become strong in the midst of your impossibilities in hope against hope. He glorified God by not becoming weak in unbelief, but growing strong in faith, even in the midst of his utter impossibility. And it doesn't get much more impossible than that. Verse 21. I'm just going to back up. Verse 20 again. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured. Everybody say fully assured. Being fully assured that that which God had promised, he was able to perform it. Come on. Nothing is impossible with God. I used to, we used to sing this in Bible. I went to CFNI in the 1980s. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is impossible. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. I want you to stand with me. Romans 15, 13. Now, may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May the God of hope, this is my prayer for you, Father's house. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would look out over this congregation. Lord, some who are sitting here have never even audibly expressed, even though they love each other, they haven't even audibly expressed Lord, all that they're going through and anguishing through, but you've seen from the start. And I pray, God of hope, fill your children with all joy and peace in believing. We rebuke our hope robber. We give the enemy no room to continue speaking hopelessness. As people laugh at us because we have names that don't bear the reality of, of even life, as people laugh and mock and say, you've got, a, you've got a wrong name, you've got a wrong promise, dude, chick, you need to let go of, of, of whatever it is that you think God told you because it's not coming to pass and God is saying, no, no, no. <laughs> I've got a solution. I've got a time. And I'm coming through in a way that you never could have asked or imagined. So God of hope, in this new year, this seventh year, I pray, great God, that through all the hardships that this last year has brought, that you would be the God who gives life to the dead. May Isaacs arise. May laughter come. Not a mocking laughter, but a holy laughter. God in heaven can laugh. Because it doesn't matter how desperate the situations are, how the nations are raging. God in heaven laughs. Because there's always an answer. And I thank you, Lord, for this band of saints. We pray for the God who gives life to the dead. Resurrection life comes. God of life, pour 